Hello and welcome to the Mycidian Legend Podcast. My name is Alex Scott and I am joined each week by David. Say hello, David. Hello, David. Ah, if it's your first time listening each week, we cover our locals' experience, including our deck lists and how we can improve our play in the future. And if we have extra time, or maybe we just didn't make it out to locals, spoiler alert, we didn't make it out to locals, then we would highlight a different card, uh, cards or decks that we were working on and more. Um, so we had a big sigh at the top of the show there because we <laughs> tried to take this. This is our fourth take of trying to start the show. Yeah, there were some uh, verbal errors as well as some some friendly joking, and uh, now we're off. As well as unprofessional stumbles and just general lack of preparedness. Yes. Well, it's been a pretty busy little while for us. Both of us have a lot going on. I believe that you went to a Magic the Gathering pre-release like a trader. What do you mean a trader? Well, you know, you're only allowed to play one card game, right? So if you play a different card game, it instantly means that you're a trader. I'm going to pick up the Digimon card game then. I also made That's a post a game that really has hope. <laughs> I also made a post on the FFTCG NA group uh, about some UFS cards that I got. So, so yeah, I guess you get I'm out of here. I'm a trader. Okay, so uh, before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to mention the awesome deal that all of our listeners can get. If you shop at Cards of Ivalice for your singles, you can use the promo code PORUMPALUM10 for your purchase. And uh, when you do that, it shows that you support the Mysidia Post and it gets you a nice little discount on your order. Woo! Okay, so if we didn't go to locals, then what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, well, this week we're going to talk about cards and decks that we're building, and maybe let's go over the new L3 format. Yep, so there was a new uh, competitive format announced by Square Enix, uh, designed by Hobby Japan, and uh, this format's actually going to be used this year at tournaments, uh, although not the top tournaments that have world's qualifications but at tournaments in north america that have national qualifications so it's it's pretty pretty important for us to know about this format yep and um what is your opinion of this format just in general well to be honest i am i'm an optimistic guy like in general so i would say that overall i'm optimistic um but before we get into what we think about it we'll quickly say what it is just so that uh anyone that doesn't know if you've been hiding and not checking the news well then now you're gonna know what this is so uh it's basically a format it's l3 means uh latest three opus constructed so that means that whatever the last three opus sets are so uh we have opus 8 opus 9 and opus 10 right now would be the last three those are the only cards you're allowed to build with and it's exactly the same otherwise so 50 cards three copies of a card only uh you can use like your cps regular all that kind of stuff it's all it's all the same fftcg game uh but as soon as uh a new set comes out, it bumps out the oldest one and kind of rotates the format. Which is something I really appreciated. Um, I really did want rotation to be put in, but there's just so many issues with this that as a pessimistic person, I think this is honestly kind of dumb. Yeah, so one important thing I'm going to note here, so 
for this new format, um, we're going to have a couple of tournaments that will use it right off the bat. So we have the Card Market Grand Open Paris on February 9th, and that is going to be Opus 8, 9, and 10 uh, for that. Uh, and then for the Omaha Grand Open in, or sorry, just Open Tournament in uh, North America, it's actually going to be Opus 9, 10, and 11. Now, at the Crystal Cup earlier, uh, there's the Tampa Crystal Cup on the 4th and 5th. They're going to be able to use Opus 11 starter cards uh, in their constructed, and that's not L3, it's just regular, which is now, we call it standard. Um, but at in in the L3 format, if a starter deck comes out before the set releases, you can't actually use the starter cards in an L3 deck until Opus 11 comes out. So if the dual deck for Final Fantasy 7 comes out a couple of weeks earlier, you can't actually use those cards in L3 yet until the full Opus 7 has been released. But you can still use uh, those in the standard, yeah. In standard, yeah, and well, and, and unless you're going, if you're going to an LQ, if you're going to a Crystal Cup, whatever it is, there must have two weeks must have passed since the release of an Opus for them to be tournament legal, uh, which is in the case of the Tampa Crystal Cup, it will be uh, you can use Opus Eleven starters, but an Opus Eleven will be um, released, but you won't be able to use it in the actual tournament. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, so going back to L3 and our thoughts on it, the general vibe that we're getting online is that three sets is too little. Three sets is definitely too little. Because um, you look at the decks that have really been made in the past three sets, and that's great. You got Ranpierre as a new deck that's come out of these, uh, in these three sets. Well, really, it's just the last set. Uh, WAF, that's obviously still going to be a thing. But the biggest thing is that there's no real great card archetypes. They don't, they just don't make them strong enough. You know what I'm saying? So in three, it's just, it's not enough. They're not strong enough. And it's just going to force players to continuously buy all the new stuff. And yeah, I, I really don't like it. Yeah. I mean, so you're certainly right. And I think that there's just like the overall card quality goes down so far that in some mono element decks you might be scraping the bottom of the barrel for which backups like you might just be putting a backup in because it's a 2 cp backup rather than it actually, this actually good and i need and like <clears throat> helps me win yeah um so there are some kind of interesting archetypes that we'll see like there's going to be some category decks like the Final Fantasy eight or seven starter, the previous starter from Opus eight will still be legal for Paris. So we're definitely going to see the that like Fire Earth FF seven deck, uh, Road Trip Boys from the Final Fantasy fifteen. Those are all going to be um, legal for now, but will quickly again also be rotated out at the start of Opus. Um, at the start of Opus 11. So there's going to be some known archetypes, but overall we're probably going to see some new decks, like obviously when water's toast. Yeah, you're cutting you're cutting YRP at that point. Diabolos is out. Um, Yashtola is out, which I, I like that. That's okay. Um, but then it's just out, and then there's nothing to kind of replace that kind of great card. So you're just playing like almost a watered-down version of the game, which is uninteresting honestly like what's the best win card now in this format let's say probably 
Yes, Matt, and that's like a really expensive yeah, card. Exactly. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, so we still have the Alexander summon, and we still have Aerith, so those are two very strong cards. Death Gaze, this great removal of Fina, but then again, like, I don't know, like a lot of cards, a lot of different, uh, what everyone's expecting to see is Rampyr, which will be interesting. Well, yeah, because Rampyr is still a very legal deck, very relevant, because um, the, uh, Shantoto, the nine drops, oh my goodness, God, <laughs> nine cost Shantoto just came out, Rampyr just came out, obviously, uh, the Garland and Kane are still legal for the next couple sets. So, I mean, there's your key pieces of Rampier already. So then you're just kind of building around that. And I don't think that there would be a deck in L2 that could compete with a Rampier deck still. So we did actually get a tournament result for L3 already. So Legendary Wolf Games um, in Omaha, I believe, is it Nebraska? This is two Canadians talking, right? So we don't know states. Uh, they had a... Speak for yourself. <laughs> They had it's Nebraska. L- it is Nebraska. Okay, so they yeah. had an L three locals because they're going to be hosting the Open tournament in April. So they uh, they had an L three tournament. So first place was Mono Fire, second place was Mono Water, third place was Rampier, and that's Shane Duckworth playing it. He's a he's a good um, he's quite a good player. And then fourth place was the store owner Miles. Tyler and he was playing uh, Earthwind Final Fantasy 7 which is pretty interesting yeah I didn't even see that so now I'm looking at it now um, I guess Mono Fire kind of makes sense because that has the best removal of the past few sets um, well it just always yeah. has spot removal and there's no there's yeah, that's the thing yeah like what and there's no Yishtola to resist it so this deck has a boatload of Ifrits and Ifritas, and it's got like a power boost from the class first Moogle. It's got uh, dodging and summon recursion and removal and search on backups. Uh, so, like it just got a, it's got a lot of, lot of value, like quite a bit of value, which is really neat. Well, yeah, as I was just saying, like the spot removal is great. Like um, Brynhildr, Ifrita, two uh, different kinds of Ifrits, Ace, and your backups all do stuff. Your forwards all can do removal. No one else's removal can compete with that, so I'm not too surprised to see Monofire do that. Because you look at yeah. Opus uh, 10, and um, when you were drafting, nobody really got good removal there except for Kana Kamoi. Yeah. Like, that card was coveted for uh, draft, because everything else was just kind of like 3k ping draft. So this doesn't surprise me. Yeah, now, have you looked at this mono water list? Looking now. Cute name. Um, I like that there's uh, Zidane. Yeah, and a Garnet and in the summons column there. Maydeen, wow. Yeah. So So that's why this sticked out so well. this This is part of what I like about the L3. So I think that pretty much a lot of people have the same sentiment that three sets seems too little. The rotation is going to happen too often, and that's going to be stressful and and frustrating for people to keep up and and keep interested and and to just be handling like it's going to be solved. There's a lot of complaints, but uh, generally that's that Three sets is too little, and I think I probably agree with that. But the thing that I'm really excited about is 
we're looking at these deck lists and man, there's some cards that we haven't seen in a long time or just haven't seen play like Maydeen's here. We've got uh, Altros, which is a really strong card, but just can't cut it in a lot of mono water lists. Uh, Same thing with Rosa, another really strong legendary that just, you know, is so good, but also just not quite good enough for a lot of mono water lists. Astrologian, um, just all sorts of cards here. Paladin backup, like, objectively isn't a terrible card uh but would never see play in a regular mono water list so i kind of like i like it when you get to use cards that you normally wouldn't use oh absolutely and that's why i was a total fan of rotation coming in i just don't like the way that it's being done i don't like that there's only three um i don't like just the general uh sets that are being put out because they're not yeah honestly good enough because you look at the backup list for Gatorade right now, and like, do you really want to run the uh, white mage that activates all your forwards? Probably not, but you need a two-cost backup. You need a turn one backup, so that's probably why it's there. I like the um, art on that guy. Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Get a poster of it. I don't know. Hmm. Now, but how yeah, about... you're seeing you're seeing all the all these new cool. We're not new, obviously, but uh, you're seeing all these cards that you don't usually see, which is great, and. It, leads to new decks that you're not going to seal much but it's just not done very well yeah no you know what though i think so here's where i'm optimistic is that they are going to try this out in a bunch of tournaments we're going to see it happen in japan in europe in north america we'll see if it happens in australia and anywhere else in that region Uh, and then I hope that this is something they can adjust and they can say, hey, we're going to rename it the L5 or the L6 or maybe even, you know, what whatever it is. Like, they're going to be able to adjust based off how this year goes because I don't think this will see, this won't happen at, at Worlds, right? Because it's not being used in any Worlds qualification and it's, it. I don't think it's there yet, but that should be an eventual goal that this could be a set, or a format that's used at the the highest level. I would love to see that, honestly. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that they should have figured out before they rolled it out. Like, don't present this and then be like, okay, but it's also only going to be used in specific tournaments. They're not even allowing retail tournaments to use it. Yeah, they're like they're definitely considering it. I mean, we could just do whatever we want at, at Magic Stronghold. But, we do what we want. But it's, you know, how many people are we going to get out if we do it? I don't know. We'll see. But at the same time, like, you just have to start somewhere. And I guess it's how many, like, how much testing can you do behind closed doors when you're already designing a bunch of sets and working on those? And then you want to design this new format. And so if you if you went to the fanfare in North America last year, they said that they design all their sets for constructed. Then they start thinking about limited, and they said no, we do not factor in title format into how we design sets. So that means there's, I think there's no chance that they have designed any of their sets for L three. So it is kind of arbitrary how many sets they pick, which is also a problem. Yes, and that's where if they were going to start actually designing sets with L3 in mind, oh, we need to put a booster in this set because it's going to be there for three 
rotations and then it's going to leave and then then they might actually start thinking about how uh how many sets should be included because it would help their design process as well sure but i mean a lot of that could just be fixed with reprinting cards yeah we kind of saw that with um fairy and chaos walker of the wheel i can't think of any others right now but and they they did that all for the first set that was going to be tournament draftable because they started doing the drafts in the cc so they clearly had a plan there which they don't seem to have had here yeah so they are capable of planning ahead but then i just kind of feel like this was a um as my friend daniel put it yolo let's do a thing yeah, it's so weird to, that to, if that is the case, and then they put it into like meaningful tournaments. Like, you could go to nationals if you come top four in an open with an L three deck. Well, that's why it just feels like oh, YOLO. Like, because why? Why was draft in worlds even? Like, I didn't like that much, but there's like okay, we need to break a kind of stale tournament here, so let's throw out this format. The fact yeah. that title sees so such little. Um, support is just kind of indicative of how little they plan out these formats they're just like okay here's a new format i think well title is kind of like yeah i think it's It's always just gonna be i don't think it's at at all supposed to be competitive although they have used it in tournaments in japan but i think that it's something that's naturally there because every single card has a title on it so why not just classify it and have it as a thing and then people just can have fun with it like we do at in Vancouver when we have our occasional title nights like it's just a really fun thing that we do um i don't think it can ever do we? possibly well we used to yeah we used to do it we every single we used to do it every single week for for a decent amount of time uh it's fallen off the map a little bit but the, the i think titles just in a different league because it's just such a specific pool of cards that are supposed to work together and that the rules make it broken and then you'd have to ban a ton of cards to make it anywhere close to reasonably fair. So it's it's just not meant... It's not the same... It's not made in the same vein as L3 is supposed to be. But they do ban cards for title. Yep. Uh, but they did, that all, they did that a long time ago. Although they did actually just ban uh, Fail Thanos as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... Uh, looking at this L3 Rampier list, uh, you lose stuff like Star Sybil, Lua, uh, but you still are running, um, actually this one specifically, oh, this is a typo, so this is the new, this is supposed to be the three, the three CP Herdy, it has Opus 5 Herdy in there. So it's still running the Herdy, although if you're, uh, cutting all that, that Lua stuff, you might not even need the Herdy. You might be able to dabble into some summons and and uh, solve some of the deck's other problems of not being able to interact on your opponent's turn. But overall, the deck actually looks really solid. Like, two fail Thanos. It looks like a Rampier deck. Yeah, and Arden's kind of interesting. Vayne, uh, three Scyllas. Uh, uh, yeah, two Garlands. That's fifth way of pronouncing it. No, and then so Garland and Vincent no. to break your rampiers. So like, yeah, there's no like miners or anything, and there's an Aldo and the Seek and a Prompto for removal. But uh, I mean, overall, it actually just looks really solid. It looks like a rampier deck, maybe a little watered down, but I mean, it <laughs> the deck cost is still two hundred twenty eight bucks compared to the Mono Fires thirty three dollars. 
So like you're still getting all your crazy heroes and legendaries. Like I think you could roll into a regular standard format locals and be competitive with this. I wouldn't go that far, but I do think it looks pretty good. Fine, I'm bringing it to locals next week. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, looking at the final deck here, we've got a Earthwind Final Fantasy Seven, and it's got a bunch of starter cards in it, and I really like that. I love this Red Thirteen art, and uh, this Yuffie's really rad. This Cloud is just such a cool card. There's. Uh, I'm surprised they uh, picked that Cloud. What uh, is there another Cloud that they can use in this deck? Uh, the five drop one is in Opus Eight, but that's fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I they... guess yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm there. Um, it's, it's interesting that they're using the um, the color fixing Moogle when they just have a ton of Earth anyway. It's a turn one backup. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's you know that's right. We can't criticize it too much because honestly, what do they have? They have some they good stuff though, like Bart's. Lael, Ninja are all very strong cards. Pinello, like, there's there's a lot of good options here still. Yeah, um, I mean, it's based off of the starter deck. So it being it being a recent starter deck, because starter decks have kind of only just gotten better as time's gone on, right? So it should just work right out of the box. Then you add in some of the newer, cooler stuff that you're going to, that doesn't come to starter deck, and yeah, it should work. Yeah. Like you had in Veritas, there's your uh, removal, death gaze, sure. Veritas. Uh, yeah. Okay, so L3 format. That's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. What's the first, if you're going to build an L3 deck, what's the first L3 deck you want to build? What do you think? While it's still legal. While it's still legal, the Final Fantasy uh, Nine. 8. 9. Yeah. Get out of here. Nine with Vivo and the little rack boy. <sighs> okay, so I think I'd probably do Mono Earth because you got your road trip boys and just a lot of a lot of fun. So I'd probably do that myself. So but you would do your uh, usual deck, Mono Earth. I would do my usual deck, but it would be fun because I get to play Earth cards I don't normally get to play. Goodness. Okay. Well, okay. Let's do all three then. We'll bring okay, it so, to. Uh, Final verdict on L3. We'll get it's back dumb. to you. Uh, well, yeah, it's dumb, either. but it could still be fun. Okay, so let's talk about uh, and something else that we wanted to do today, which is go kind of over our our deck building process and then talk about some decks that we are currently building. So we're going to get into that next. start with david and what we're going to do is he's going to tell us a little bit about how he builds decks and we'll look at a few examples and these examples are going to be in the podcast description and if you're on youtube they might even be on the screen if i put that together but they'll also be in the youtube description so you can look at these deck lists if we're referring to them too quickly all right, so the first thing I do when I try to start deck building is to find one or two card interactions that just seem unfair. Like, um, for example, um, 
two jobs are done and Sage. Like that's not super unfair, but it's it can be pretty pretty crippling for your opponent. Or back in the day, I think it was two opuses ago, maybe. Mm, probably before Opus Eight came out, where we only had uh, where we didn't have two jobs to done yet. I had all of my backups be Final Fantasy Nine backups. Play. Um, oh no, I must do an Opus Eight. Whatever. Okay, I just wasn't playing the two jobs at on. Um, run five backups that are all Final Fantasy Nine. Cast uh, Phoenix and bring back three CPs at on and activate all nine characters. So you really just paid two CP a card at a hand to get that Phoenix and a forward. So nice. Um, and then VV the one drop is doing 10k every single time. So that was kind of my unfair thing that I decided that VV was always going to do 10k and I was always going to get a great Phoenix target and activate all my backups and then still be able to play stuff. There were many games that I won where I would uh, Layla Viking, uh, Zidane, and then Cloud of Darkness and just completely wipe the board. And many of those games won were against me. Absolutely, they were. (laughs) That was probably the heyday of my nine deck. That actually was always so disheartening because you you'd have this big hand size and then you would cast all this stuff, but then your hand was still pretty good because you used so much CP efficiently, and then your board would fill up, and I'd be like, "Well, darn!" <laughs> oh, nuts. Okay, so what's next? What do you what do you look at when you open up the old ye old FF decks? Ye old FF decks. So after I figure out that one uh, combo or interaction or whatever you have that is deemed unfair, then I need to figure out how to accomplish that. So I want to activate all my backups with Zidane. So then I need to look at what backups am I running to and what forwards am I running. So I'm running, I got to run Artemisia, I got to run Ico, I got to run Braun, I got to run Mog, Blackwalls, etc. Um, and then I probably have to run Steiner because I need to be able to search for VV or search for Zidane, etc. And then just kind of, then probably the third step I do is just to kind of find little ways that can combo off what I already have. So like you throw in a Freya because that's a pretty good Phoenix target too. Or you throw in a, I don't know. Maybe uh, Beatrix to lower by 1k so that even if Vivo isn't doing 10k, (laughs) (laughs) he got that swing for an extra 1k of the board. Yeah, so it's kind of this is a funny example because you're absolutely picking and choosing cards and being very selective with it, and you're uh, you as you are with all your FF9 decks, but you've also just jammed in a bunch of FF9 cards. (laughs) That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also jamming it in just willy-nilly as well. Yeah. Well, like they're good so, cards, what can I say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's um and I've certainly built a deck that way. One of my f- most fond memories of a deck built on that premise was uh Opus 3 Genesis with the 4 CP fire Godot. When Godot attacks, choose one forward, give it haste, so you drop an early Godot, and then they drop a forward to block you, and you play Genesis, Dolphreeze the forward, attack with Godot, give Genesis haste, attack with Genesis, and the premise of that 
deck was just to be super aggressive with attackers like Locke and Genesis and then Godot giving everybody haste, but then you also had a bunch of two CPs, and it was super fun, uh, and that was a Fire Ice deck, so uh, it's a, that's a really good way to start your deck building process. Find an interaction that's unfair, and sometimes it's not going to be as unfair as you think, but you know, you got to give it a try. Yeah, it's a good way to start if you want to make it competitive. Yeah, sometimes it's going to turn out to be way too much work, like an Earth Lightning Turk stack that uses the Final Fantasy VII Opus One starter backups big and wedge, as well well as the Barrett forward to make breaking your backup steal very very tiny amounts of damage to your opponent's forwards. Are you speaking out of uh, experience? Yes. Yes, that is something that Alex <laughs> tried so hard to make work, and then I saw it break this man, and it he eventually just buried it in his backyard. It honestly felt like I ran a marathon, and then I like looked around and realized I had like just stepped over the starting line, and I hadn't actually gone anywhere. But I felt like that I ran the marathon, but my progress was was nowhere. Your progress was stepping outside of your house. Yeah. For that yeah, time. Okay, so any other deck building tips that, you, that you're going to throw out there? This kind of hurts to say, but I really advise... Oh, I don't want to say that either. That, that's tough. So my hot take is don't net build. Don't net that deck. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't net deck. And I know that that's completely impossible, and I literally look at FF decks every single day and try and see what's cool and happening with the kids nowadays. But I feel like it just gives you... I, I don't find it fun myself if I'm just building a deck based off of... or like that I just found online, right? So I feel like if you just look at all the meta decks all the live long day, you're not going to be inspired to build something cool. Yeah, and then and you're you, not gonna have fun. It's gonna get stale. You're not gonna have as much fun playing it. Like exactly. that's what that's what it comes down to. And I so like I am I am the same way, and I don't meta deck very often. And all the times that I have, it's pretty much always from a place of I need to play this deck to understand this deck so that I can beat this deck with my own deck. Like when I was training for Portland last year, I played a bunch of Wind Water and Mono Ice, and I, every single week for locals, I brought a different net deck. And by the end of that process, even like playing with WAF before reunion, I had a better idea of, of of how to play against it because I had played it. But when it comes down to it, even when I build stuff like like Mono Wind, I don't start from someone else's Mono Wind list. I open up. FF decks and I do my process and I build a mono win list and it's going to end up similar to a lot of people's mono win lists because good cards are good but don't because just good cards are good. don't just take something that you've found on FF decks and build it verbatim unless someone has like some like super unique idea that you want to try and like that's different like if you look at the starter Kafka list from Japan and you want to build that deck like that's something unique that you might not have thought of and you want to try it out and then you can make it your own but don't just grab the wee wall list that you know someone played at worlds and then be like this is my deck now because it's not (laughs) 
and that's always one thing that I always found was I would, um, when I did in that deck, is I would just, I'd feel like so impersonal playing it. Like, this isn't tailored to my style. This isn't, I have no connection with this deck. And I know that sounds kind of, sounds very Yu-Gi-Oh-esque. Like, it, there's no heart in the cards, man. Hmm. Whereas if I build something where I'm like, I know every single card of this 50 card deck and why it's in here. It's, it feels a lot more fun to play. I feel more connected. I feel more engaged. I want this deck to do well. Whereas if I use Tommy World Champions list, I don't feel connected to it. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I, I totally understand that uh, that sentiment. Um, okay, so what else? Like, What else should we, uh, should we cover from your perspective? As per deck building? Yeah, anything else that you want to get off your chest? <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to throw some people under the bus by saying stuff like this, but yeah, well, that's, that's the a... biggest thing. Is yeah, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is when people just net deck and then um, find success with it and may or may not know what all the cards do, but because it won worlds, I'm gonna play this deck. Yeah, it's, you know it what bothers me. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me as much because you just have to beat the people in front of you. But uh, it it is frustrating when people don't know what their own cards do, or like they sometimes even people might beat beat you, and you're like, they might have made some misplays. But certain decks, like if with WeWa for instance, it's still gonna win, or like Waff, it will still just win games when it's not piloted perfectly. Uh, although, like if you pilot it perfectly, you're gonna win even more. But uh yeah so that's uh yeah that's that's a that's a whole other side to like our deck building philosophy but a couple things that i i look at myself uh so maybe you're not building off of something you think is broken or something that you think is super unfair you can also just be building off a theme so for example i have an earthwind eorzea list that we are going to talk about and Eorzea is from Final Fantasy fourteen, so I wanted to build a Final Fantasy fourteen list, and I wanted to use Kenny Senna, which is one of my favorite characters from the game. So that was my motivation to build this list. And I've basically taken um, the different fourteen uh, cards I could from uh, from Earth and Wind, and I've built something that I think is actually pretty good. Um, so whenever I build a list, I I always start with either that that theme or that kind of combo that I want to do, and then I start looking at how I'm going to support it. So in this case, I started looking at the backups, and it was pretty easy because a lot of these backups put themselves in, like Avarun Senna and Rhea Senna. Um, but then I started thinking, like, well, what other combos do I want to do? And I I've slotted in the backup Noctis Gladiolus combo. And then I thought, well, okay, I'm actually leaning pretty far into Earth here. I need to get the Sid Garland in here to search Earth cards, but then it's also going to be able to put FF14 uh, characters back into my hand. So that's going to put Yushtola, Raubon, uh, it's going to put Kani Senna back into my hand. And when I played Mono Wind Kani Senna, one of the biggest issues was when you ran out of Kani Senna's. So now you have a way to just slot them right back up into your hand um and so when you build the backup base then you're you're suddenly in uh like 
you, you have a luck. It, it directs the rest of the deck and in, in how you want to to build. And then probably at the end of that list, you just throw in cards that are either homer picks or just cards that are good, so they just belong in here. Like um, five cost Cecil for, for Earth. Like you just you don't build an Earth deck without it. You don't build. A it's a staple. Yeah, Stola. it's a staple. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So I have stuff like you want to have Shantoto, you want to have Minfilia, Minor. These are all good cards. I put Maria in because Maria will help me get a Raubon combo online, but it also just helps me boss other decks around. You have cards like Diabolos and that's always good and Mist Dragon that's really good right now. Uh, and then I decided to go into monsters a bit because Death Gaze 9 is a fantastic monster. Luminous Puma is a pretty... Uh, big auto include uh, so I thought let's slap one more in there so I have Unsaganashi and then you put Larkisius in and you've got a bit of a monster package going um, and then other than that like I have the the classic win staples so your your Zidane your Shtola Aerith is like your classic these win cards get slapped into a win deck but but then I can kind of start putting in my own fun cards like I have a C card to combo off with my Raubon. I have Delita because it's one of my favorite cards and it plays really well against Rampier and against Waff. Um, Ignis searches the Noctis backup uh, and then I start looking at recognizing other themes like well I have Sid Garland, Avarin Senna, and Ignis that all search backups. I can start cutting down the number of backups in my deck. So I went down from 18 to 16, even though I have two Shantotos that are kind of like half backups because you can't just play them. The situation has to be right. But I'm just not that concerned about finding backups because I have so many ways to do that. Find that consistency, right? Like you got to build around your main combos and you end up putting in searchers. Same thing with mine. Like I put in Steiner and Ico and stuff. You got Ignis and... You know, it just kind of all bleeds into one, one swift, mo one smooth deck, one smooth motion. Exactly, and I've got the ultimate homer card here, Wall. Uh, well, I thought your I ultimate homer card was five CP Delita, but okay. Well, he's yeah, he's up there too. You know, um, he's no five CP Cecil, but I can't put that in this card deck. So, okay, last last thing we're going to talk about before we get out of here is your Une. FF8 deck. My Une FF8 deck. What do we want to talk about with that? Um, well, you know, like the first thing I would like to do is just count how many Final Fantasy IX cards are in here. And let's see. Not a lot. It hurts. And there's two two cards. And uh, oh, oh, there's only two cards. Okay, so two FF9 cards. Let's talk about that. Um. Yeah, that's painful. Does it, does, it, does it affect your sleep at all? It hurts. I'm wounded that I only have two nine cards in here. Um, so basically, um, as I had said at the end of uh, our last podcast, is that I got this idea off of one of our listeners who told me to not give up on Une and that he was finding success with the playing a FF8 uh, more theme deck with Une. And I haven't gotten a lot of... Uh, time to test this i haven't been able to play a lot because somebody's been busy mm. Mm. Um, Could be anybody. but when i have yeah okay but when i have um i've had fun with it because you once you get it wants to get to uh five damage 
which I've realized. Because then Squall and Une just become absolutely devastating. They'll freeze. Deal 8k. You want to have Renault on there too, so you're pretty much dulling and freezing all of their stuff. And you're dealing with it. Like, when I played you, right? I just was able to flicker that Squall over and over again, and it went from a game that I looked like I had no hope to climbing right back into. Now, you also had an... I got you to six damage, and you kept flickering Ultimecia. That was devastating. Also, yes. Ultimecia is another good one. I kind of want to bump this up to two, because if it goes to damage, I'm going to hate myself. That's another thing, uh, rewinding to our previous segment here about deck building. Don't put in one-ofs. This is my... Uh, this is my concept. I don't think you agree with this. Don't put in one-ofs unless you're okay with it going to damage. And I'm not okay with Ultimecia going to damage, so I think I'm going to jack her up to two. Because if you can flicker her when you're on uh, six damage, and freeze all of their stuff, and be using Squall to dull all their stuff so you don't have to um, choose up to two characters to dull them, you're just freezing their entire board. And that's pretty crippling. Yeah, and... I just want to mention the reason that you don't have Renoa in here is that that you, oh no, it's because sorry you're playing the two CP Renoa, right? Yeah, I'm playing the two cost Renoa. Yeah, of so course. All of her yeah. Stuff, so that every time Squall gets flickered, I'm getting all three of her. Right. Uh, and abilities. she was incredibly good when we played. Yeah, absolutely. It's so weird to see because generally an Une deck that loves flickering things would love the four CP flickering Renoa, but. In this specific case, this Renoa is better. Yeah, if it's based off the FFA theme, that Renoa is definitely better if you just keep flickering the Squalls. Um, even if you're flickering Lagunas or Quizdis or Ultimecia, that's just another... That's just more good stuff, right? Yeah. Because that's just comboing off of her. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I, one thing about the one ofs, I, I do, I obviously love one ofs, and I kind of just subscribe to the like one is if you have a one of, it's something that you'd you might see every game, you might not, and you're fine with that. And then two ofs is you want to see it once per game, and then three ofs you need to see it like for sure every game. It has to be in your hand, asap. So. Um, I'm generally fine a lot of times with cards not seeing them every game. So that's, and that's why, and that's kind of like the same as your goes to damage. I'm fine with a lot of my one ofs going to damage. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay, the one thing that I'm concerned about, and I, I understand that you do cast a lot of summons, um, yeah. is the Terra. Now, can we talk about that Terra real quick? It's a, So this is the 3 CP backup Terra. Uh, ice backup. When you cast a summon, choose one forward, your opponent controls, and dull it. So this was in the... I really wish I remembered his name right now, because that's probably pretty bad of me. Um, I'm sorry, man. I really appreciate you listening and commenting <laughs> on the show. <laughs> um, um, he included this in his list. So I just was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. He was running a two of in that list, I believe. So I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a try. And so far, I'm not, I'm not impressed by it. So I'm. That's probably something that's on the chopping block right now, but has yet to. Uh, I've yet to test enough to make a decision on that one. That would be Ronald Andrew. That. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Ronnie, okay. bro. <laughs> okay, so the 
the thing that I, the problem I have with that Terra is that I look at at it as a way to clear blockers, but I don't look at this as a deck that's swinging a ton either because you're trying to set up a bunch. Um, and because of that, you also like you're way less incentivized to cast summons during your opponent's turn because you can't activate your Une on your opponent's turn, but then dulling your f opponent's forwards defensively on your turn obviously doesn't make any sense either because they just reactivate at the beginning of your opponent's turn. So that means that you generally won't need the Terra compared to like the things that you're flickering with Une, the Kujas, Ultimecias, uh, your Squalls and Lagunas, those are going to be clearing out the way for victory and delaying your opponent. Uh, and the only summon you can really cast on your opponent's turn is generally going to be Carbuncle and maybe Zalira, but then they like then they need to have two forwards or to so you can dull one of them. So it's I, I feel like it's uh, in this deck it's actually um, one step too much. I think you're probably right because um, the thing that I'm I'm casting Carbuncle pretty much every turn onto onto whoever the heck. So I can flicker that Squall, right? And then Squall is probably dulling two things anyways. I don't think I'm going to end up needing to dull a third with that. So that's more than likely on the chopping block. It's just deciding what to uh, put in there for now. Yeah, fair. We are in agreement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so should we wrap up? Like a sex said teacher tells you, let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, that was certainly an analogy. Okay, so <laughs> that's it for this week's episode of, On that note. of the Mycidian Legend. Don't forget to use the promo code PORUMPALUM10 at cardsofevilise.com to, to get a discount on your order. That's PORUMPALUM10 at cardsofevilise.com. And you can also read my articles at themycidiapost.com and check us out on YouTube and throw us a like, subscribe, all that neat stuff. And finally, thank you, FFDex. We used you quite a bit this episode. And you can follow me on Instagram at DaveQB12. I post absolutely nothing, but I would appreciate follows. And F, yeah, FFDex. Nice, yeah, we got we can plug for you too. Okay, well, okay. thank you so much for uh, listening, Mysidians, and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, David. Goodbye, David. Goodbye, <laughs> David.